Welcome everybody to Real Talk. Uh, this week I'm joined by the amazing disco ball soul that is uh, Christy Sparksman. Thank you so much, so, so, so much for joining me here today. I really appreciate it. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> We're operating in two time zones. I think uh, Christy's seven hours behind me. Eight. Eight. There you go. I think I'm operating on about four international time zones now. I haven't slept in about six months. So I don't know which enemy is up right now. Um, but will you tell me, first of all, because, I mean, I just said it to you a couple of minutes ago, I love your energy. We connected on Facebook and... Um, one of the reasons the reasons we're here today is I really wanted to speak to a post that uh, Christy shared on the 21st of January. But first, I want to ask, what is the disco ball soul? That is you. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was trying to stick a label to myself, as us humans tend to do, uh, because I had gone through so many different types of journeys, like the twin flame stuff. And, you know, I'm still on it, of course. And I was like, what describes me without having like a label to it and I realized like weaving in my purpose here and also just disco music because I love it <laughs> <laughs> I thought what is a disco ball it's this bright shiny orb in the middle of the dance floor and lights hit it and then lights reflect off of it and so I was sort of like huh that's sort of like me like I am this bright shiny orb so are everyone else, and we're covered in tiny mirrors, and the mirrors reflect back the light. And that really tied into my purpose here, because I don't feel like I'm here to guide, teach, be a guru, any of those things. I just want to reflect back to people their own light and help them see, like, just catch a glimpse enough in yeah. order to, like. So we just topped out for a second. I just caught the end of that sentence. The way you're talking about the way the light reflects back off of other people, the light reflects others. Yes. And then you just went for a second. Yeah. So it's like, I am you and I'm just reflecting back to you. Like I'm I, essentially, I see myself as a reference point yeah. to once you kind of go through the shit. Um, and, and I'm not saying I'm healed or I've gone through my shit. I am very much like a in the shit person. But uh, <laughs> um, <Your sister. laughs> yeah. But as soon as you like come out enough to like look back and see how mm -hmm. far you've come, that's sort of what I want to be is this reference point to you can get through the stuff you think you can't get through because I never thought I would get to this place where I actually like myself. Um, yeah. You know, I'm actually starting to allow myself to stand in power, um, allow myself to rise up out of these coping mechanisms that I've had my whole life, um, mm -hmm. you know, really connect with those, those tears, that grief, that rage, that, that stuff I'd never felt before in my whole life. Cause it was just, you know, alcohol, sex, drugs, smoking, food, filling my schedule with everything, busy, 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 no time mm -hmm. to stop. Because if I stopped, I would have to face myself. Yeah. I love your analogy of the the way you describe your resonance with the with the disco ball. Um it's beautiful. What kind of um catches me is more times than not, what's reflected back to us is not the light, in fact. And that is, I guess, what 
takes me on to the post that you shared on the 21st of January, which is the minute I saw it, I was like, holy shit balls. There are so many people who have gone through what you're, you've described or are in it. Um, you've just acknowledged yourself. You're on, the, you're on a journey. You're not at a destination, a bit like myself. I just rock in sideways and show up wherever I am. And I love the way you even said, you know, it described our capacity to look back at where we're just after coming out of and talk to that and keep moving forward and then look back and then talk to that. If you don't mind, I would love to read this post for anybody uh, who's watching who hasn't um, seen this. Um, is that okay? Yeah. Wow, of Epic. Right. In my best Irish accent. <laughs> this is so powerful. Three years ago, I drank three bottles of red wine, grabbed a bottle of expired Tylenol and laid on my floor. I cranked up big shiny tunes too in my headphones and cradled the pills. I then took this picture, which is, uh, you've got two pictures, uh, a picture from then and now, because I wasn't sure if I even existed. I felt like a ghost watching my life form outside of my body. You see the hollowness in my eyes, the red stains on my upper lip. I was so numb, I couldn't cry. I wanted out. Instead, I woke a few hours later, cheek pressed into drool. The pills were untouched. I crawled into my bed. I'm not even sure I would have gone through with it. Perhaps it was just a dramatic gesture, a coy middle finger to God for my perceived abandonment. I wondered if the knockout effect from the wine had ironically spared my life. I called this space and time dark January. I blacked out almost every night that month, a, a throwback to my 2007 to 2013 season of increasingly wild blackouts, binges, drugs, smoking, spending, and sexual forays. In 2017 was my gradual, painful, beautiful spiritual awakening, the meeting of myself in another human form. When spiritual love hits your human bones, your secure, comfortable, ego-based life falls in on itself. My codependent marriage crumbled. I had no tools other than the destructive ones and was without a relationship to hide in. I was exposed. 2018, the year I self-destructed my way into sobriety. So here's to dark January and the Christy who survived that night and the Christy that survived all those days and nights. I finally rock bottomed into the rock bottomest bottom. I am two years and six months sober and taking a minute to really freaking honor that. The picture on the right is one I took yesterday. I can feel my soul shining through. I can see it in my eyes. I look soft. The flowing of emotions has smoothed down my sharpness. I'm returning gradually, day by day. My home is on the inside. And here's a little note for me, from me. You made it, baby. You're going to keep making it further and further, over and over. Start as many times as you need. Rest, feel, remember, and then get back up off that floor. Crawl at first if you need to, but never give up completely. And if you do give up completely, there's always tomorrow. Magic is yours. I love you. I've got goosebumps. I swear oh, to God. God. I want to cry for myself. Whew. Isn't it awesome? Ugh. 
And that must be very surreal listening to somebody else read your words. Yeah, I'm really touched right now in this moment. Like I, I think you're an incredible person, like incredible. And I'd love to just, if I can, show, I don't know if you guys will see it. Look at the difference. You're beautiful in both pictures, but in so much pain in one. And thank you for sharing that with everybody. Thank you for being so brave to meet yourself. What was that like? Oh my God. It was gradual. You know, it was just a, a slowly tearing away of all of these adaptations is what they, is what they are of how I learned to behave in order to be liked and mm. have a sense of worth because they didn't have an inner world whatsoever. Like there was nothing. Um, it was vacant and hostile and I, I, I basically, my whole life, I felt like I was right here, perched on my shoulder, watching me. Um, and I've danced between hypervigilance and dissociation my whole life. Like, it's never been just a present moment experience for me until, you know, this past few years. It's always been one or the other. I've either been completely removed from my experience and, like, numbed out from it, or yeah. I've been, like, overly, like, how do I fix and control everything in my environment, people, events, so that I feel safe? Yeah. It, was, it was never being able to be here. Um, and that's terrifying. The, even still, like, I still have reservations of sitting sometimes. I have to consciously be like, okay, like, turn off the music, just silence. And it's, oh, it's, it's really scary. It's when, you've, when you grow up, without um without role models for how to have a loving inner relationship with yourself and I'm not blaming my parents they didn't learn from their parents it's like what you were saying when we were talking before it's a it's a silent epidemic people don't realize that there's this like massively um dysfunctional system that we're all kind of stuck in when it comes to parenting and uh relating and codependency and things like that addiction um and so I didn't have role models growing up. So, you know, I learned that in order to be loved, I would have to go outside of myself and find that love somewhere else, except that love was never consistent, right? Um, as soon as I would get high enough or drunk enough, then, you know, I would go back into the bottom and the shame spiral would continue. Mm -hmm. And I was just on this like roller coaster that, I didn't know I was really on because so many yeah. people did it, like what you were saying. Yeah. It's, it's so common and, um, you know, it's it's like you're swimming in an ocean, you're a fish. You don't realize you're surrounded by water at all. You know, it, that's sort of what it feels like to be unconsciously stuck in addiction. You don't know that there's anything outside of that because this is all you know. <laughs> you don't know yeah. what you don't know until you don't know it. If that yeah. makes sense. <clears throat> that's a brilliant brilliant analogy and that's I really think what what people don't realize brilliant analogy you are in the ocean swimming as a fish everybody around you are fish everybody around you are swimming so how are you supposed to know any different exactly. and it's like the most mind-blowing revelation I mean it's I'm I, I spoke to you before this I'm in it currently as in I'm in my own integration process where 
I've had stark realizations about my own world that I'm like, hang on a minute. You mean this, this actually explains everything and I'm, I'm not a fish and this isn't the ocean and I'm not really supposed to be in here doing the same shit as everybody else. And then with it comes a wave of like sadness and then the need equally for compassion as you realize you didn't know any different. You were taught swim. You were taught definitely don't go above uh, sea level. You'll die and don't be different. Uh, stay in your lane and swim like the other fish and uh, you definitely don't stand out. Yes. And so we're desperately trying our entire lives to blend in, to fit in. We're trying to um, gain acceptance and love from everything and everyone outside of us, never knowing that it's always an inside job. But I mean, to get there, to get there, I mean, I, I've just read your takedown <laughs> and your takedown by yourself to get to a point where you are like, I have enough of my own shit. I know because I'm living on the outside looking in that nothing feels right, but I don't know where to start. And so you hit that self-destruct button because it's all you've known. It's over, it's heartbreaking. Over and over. I was like, how fast can I hit that button? Right. I was yeah. like, girl, where's the button? <laughs> because you know, I didn't have any other, yeah, like you said, no, no other knowledge that there was another option. Yeah. And when you experience addiction, like, I mean, you're, I love your energy. You're, you're like, you know, all in or all out, go harder, go home here. If I'm going <laughs> to deal with addiction, just give me everything you've got because, you know, I want to experience it all. Um, so I'm loving the fact that you're sharing this conversation with people and it's going to fall on the most perfect ears who needs to hear this you really chose to experience the lack of connection with everything outside of you. You're talking about alcohol, drugs, sex, shopping. Um, you were never aware ever, ever, ever that anything was wrong. No, because they, they all did it, you know, the, the adults in my life, the society, the movies, the teachers, like everyone just does this stuff, you know, a drinking alcohol is so normalized. You can, you can drink alcohol at the shopping mall now, you know, like you can, where can you go and not access alcohol is like a bigger question, you know, it's like, I, I recently had this, um, this person uh, sent I was on some mailing list for like learning about alcohol or something like that from so long ago. I didn't realize I was still on the list and someone sent me this questionnaire to fill out about uh, drinking and children, uh, like teens or something like that. And in it, they asked all these questions with uh, answers that were already plugged in. And it was like, how can we go about um, making uh, alcohol less accessible to teens? And it was like, options were like, raise the prices, uh, move the location of alcohol, uh, liquor stores, change the legal drinking age, like all of these like very surface fixes. And I wrote, <laughs> I was feeling particularly snarky this day. I didn't fill in any of all this. All the questions had these like very surface things. I went to the bottom and it was like additional comments. And I was like, well, <laughs> first of all, we need to change the whole system of parenting so that we don't get traumatized in our youth. And it just like basically like, 
yeah, I, I wasn't like mean or anything. And I, I appreciate what they're doing. It just, I just had to be like, it's deeper than that. Yeah. Changing the price of something isn't going to make somebody not do it. Like, <laughs> you know, like it, I remember being so drunk um, that I was like willing to pay, I don't know, it was like $200 for like a few little bits of drugs one time. Like that, like when you're, when you're, when you need to have your pain quelled, you're going to pay whatever. It doesn't matter if you move the location of a liquor store. It doesn't matter if you, you know, change the legal drinking age. If people are in pain and they don't have functional tools to self-soothe, they're going to find any way they can to shove that pain down. Like I had, I wrote a list of all of the addictions I had uh, a few months back, maybe like five months back to just really get into it. At one point I had an addictive relationship to 15 different things. Like, and it's not, addiction isn't the substance necessarily. It's the relationship you have to the substance. So like I was using 15 different things as a way to shut myself down. And these are all very common things, you know, TV, movies, Netflix, uh, smoking, drugs, alcohol, um, you know, shopping, spending money so I can be in control. Um, filling up all of my time, helping other people was an addiction. Like I was like constantly like, how can I self-sacrifice myself? Like, how can I you want the shirt off my back? Okay. Sounds good. You know, <laughs> quite literally. <laughs> yeah. And all intertwined with shame. Oh my God. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like, for me, the shame is like the, the, the one thing that intertwines all that keeps keeps you bound to your pain um you know <clears throat> you described it beautifully what we're what, what we're all trying to do at some point is anesthetize ourselves to the point of not feeling and we will do anything that we can to um make sure that we don't feel um and it's it's so heartbreaking because you know i love what you said it's not it's not why the addiction why the pain and it's never addressed it's never addressed. And do you know what else pisses me off is when somebody who's really deep in addiction, who's, who's aware enough to, um, to try and build awareness on it, it's not always um, accepted. I watched a podcast recently and there was this guy on it and he wanted serious help with, with addiction. He had webbed and weaved in and out of it for, for 10 years um and this is a pretty famous podcaster who's interviewing him and I really love listening to him but it pissed me off I actually was only yesterday believe it or not and this guy was sharing how how a memory as a kid that had kind of three different experiences within the one experience was at the and he was aware he was aware that it was at the root cause of his stuff he had worked his way back to this specific pain point and and was able to describe it but he and he was able to um witness the patterns repeat in his life every time he was in a specific scenario that um he was severely embarrassed in front of his his kids he I think he dressed up um was invited to a, a kids a party uh like a fancy dress party kids were taking the piss as they do they told this guy to uh, uh show up in, in fancy dress he was the only one who did 
And he was completely ridiculed when he went in, in front of everybody. And then the girl who had invited him to the party was like his crush. She, he loved the shit out of her. And then she laughed into his face, completely, you know, embarrassed him in front of everyone. And then this other guy turned around and said something to him like, like imagine being say, having this said to you as a kid. And it happens. I mean, it happens. Um, he said something like, you're just a joke. Why don't you just go and kill yourself? And, and, and this memory, this core memory embedded in this guy. So he spends his entire life thinking he's not worth shit. Um, he's an embarrassment. Anything that he puts his hand to, he can never get right because of this. And he should really just go and kill himself. And he tried. He tried. And then, then it pissed me off to go back to the point with the podcast turning around and he goes, he goes, just so, so you use this as the reason why you defaulted into addiction every time. And I'm going, oh my God, I don't know your pain. I don't know what you've lived. I don't know what you've been through. I know what I've been through. And, and, and the next person only knows what they have been through. And I was saying to you, I shared it in a post yesterday about it. The inner work is where it's the real need to, to go deep with our own stuff our own stuff. Going back to what, what we shared at the beginning with regards to your post, you reckon that uh, 2018 was your year of self-destruct. What, what, what did you mean by that? What self-destructed, that is in, in your world, what did you <laughs> self-sabotage on to take you to that point? Um, yeah, gosh, wow. That's, um, that's a good I just want to quickly speak to what you just said. I just had a really amazing visual come in of the guy you're talking about. It's sort of like there's, it's like a pot and there's soil in the pot and the soil is all of the childhood experiences mm -hmm. and our adult experiences basically spring up like roots and like flowers out of this experience. So if the soil is off, like it's, if it's tainted with yeah. painful memories, the experiences growing out of it are going to be shit. Like you're yeah, they're all distorted. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, he in the interview he turned around and he said, "To be fair to him, he didn't he didn't let let himself be railroaded at that point, and he could have been yeah. because because in essence, what's happening is his stuff's been hit again. Yeah, his his capacity to show up and you know straighten up and speak for himself. He like it takes a lot of balls to to speak up about any of this stuff." Oh, and he turned around and he, and he explained, he goes, um, um, you will do whatever he says, when you say, I'm not going to use again, I'm not going to drink again. I'm not going to do whatever it is. He says, you really, really mean it because you want better for yourself. But if you're, if you're put in a position where your stuff is really hit, you will do anything to stop that from, um, amplifying and he said the one hit of whatever it is you're addicted to in this case he said will feel like um a thousand and it's a downward spiral that you you journey on and then then the the ass kicking of shame comes in on top of it and how you, you know, let yourself down, how you let other people down. And, you know, from looking at it from the outside in, it really is what keeps us bound to this cycle. Because then we believe the things that we have told ourselves our entire lives. You're not worth shit. Go kill yourself. You're an embarrassment. 
nothing you put your hand to will ever come to fruition. And then because we're so invested in, in these thoughts, beliefs, feelings, emotions, experiences, life goes here, here's another one, here's another one, here's another one. And then they all compound. You're talking about your soil, the dodgy soil, they compound. And, and when anything tries to grow from that space, when anything ever tries to grow from that space, it's going to grow distorted, warped, in, you know, Oh, it's, it's just so soul destroying because it's every one of us. Yeah. It's every one of us. There's not one person like you just hit the nail on the head when you described 15, I think you said addictions you identified within yourself. I challenge every single person watching this right now, write down, write down what is it that occupies your time, write down what is it that you invest your time, energy and presence in because you got addictions and ask yourself why not why the addiction why the pain and for for this is just for me having experienced you know many of the things that you talked about there I was always just looking for connection and there was the connection with myself but I always looked for I love the there's a saying um and I used to associate it with myself I looked for uh forever in temporary people and temporary things. I love that. And the only person who I repeatedly hurt in the end was myself. What just amazes me, and I'm like I said, I'm in it still, is I didn't realize myself until I'm I'm doing my own processes I, and I'm un, un, unraveling parts of my own journey, parts of my own story that were so normal to me. It's scary. Accept it as the norm. And there is absolutely nothing, nothing normal with, with any of the things that we use to anesthetize ourselves. Nothing. No. But nobody wants to deal with the why. And you know what? As well, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't. That, that night that, that you described there, I mean, that was your turning point. That was you saying to you, something has got to give because I know I don't deserve to be in this pain, but I don't know what, what to do with it. And the easiest thing to do is to try and just tap out of life. I'm really glad that it all failed <laughs> because I love the message that you have right now. Um, just rocking in here as your authentic self going, I've made an epic shite of so many things, but I'm learning and I'm growing and same as me, I'm learning and I'm growing and I want to talk to anybody who resonates with this to remind you that you're just perfectly, imperfectly perfect right now. And you're going to continue to make a shit at things because that's what we do here. That's what we came here to do, to, to get it wrong so that we would know with conviction and with clarity, you know, what feels right to us. Um, so thank you for, for, for sharing that as well. It's, I can breathe again. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, that's what I was going to ask you a couple of minutes ago. When, when you got to the place in 20, 2018, so you said that, um, I'll just, I'll tell you about my destruction if you'd like. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. I was going to go back there. <laughs> what did your, what does self-destruct look like? Because, uh, sorry, to, before you, you, you uh, share, I don't think people realize 
that they're in a self-destructive phase, even right now, the shit's blowing up around them. I described it yesterday as, as um, the, room, uh, the, the house goes on fire to try and catch your attention. I don't think people realize that. And that's kind of scary too. So yeah. your, your self-destruction, were you aware at the time or were you oblivious? I've been painfully aware my whole life. Like I said, that like that person here watching me was so hypervigilant. It, but then the other half of me was dissociated. So an example would be I would get blackout drunk, pick up some guy at a bar and go home with him because I had such a massive abandonment wound that I just needed someone to be next to me um, and sex anesthetized me. So I would be dissociated enough to like, to, to just be like, yeah, whatever, no, no problem. But painfully aware that I was doing it. Yeah. Like it was, I, I, I've, I've always known that I was doing it. And like, I just couldn't stop myself because I was like, it, it's like, I, it's like, I went dumb. It's like, I, I couldn't move frozen, like just in this like mummified state of like, I cannot stop myself from doing this, which is like really scary feeling um and it still happens when I'm like uprooting all of this grief from those those times from childhood sometimes I'll just be crying and laying there and I can't move and it's because it's like my muscles are coming back online you know like all of my cells are just like coming alive from this like frozen paralyzed state of like constantly tense you know just like watching myself outside of myself do these things and not being able to stop it. Um, boy, is that hard, especially because like, when it comes to uh, relationships. So my self-destruct looked like this. I, um, I had left my marriage um, to be with my, my twin flame. Like we had gone through this thing. We both, our lives both imploded and we had planned to like, you know, run off together in the sunset, but I didn't really know that this was like a spiritual awakening process really. <laughs> uh, until I was in it. And then, uh, so we kind of went our separate ways in order to like deal with both of our stuff. Uh, but I couldn't handle it. And I started sleeping with other people and because, and it's not because I was like, um, I didn't love him or want to be with him. And this has been a pattern my whole life. Like as soon as I would be close to a guy, I would be looking for the exit as quick as I could while at the same time clinging to him for dear life. Like yeah. one foot out the door in every relationship, uh, either cheating or emotionally cheating because I just, I could not attach to someone because I was afraid they'd leave. This is all from childhood. My mom and dad both left me and uh, I was very deeply neglected, um, abused by a step-parent. Uh, and there's just like a lot of, like there's no, I had no trust essentially zero trust and I needed someone to kind of fill that hole for me <laughs> Meta <laughs> Met metaphorically and actually <laughs> I say that whenever I say fill the hole it just makes me laugh it's true <laughs> um keeping it real it's real but it is it's the truth yeah it's real. <laughs> exactly so uh I had been writing in my journal pretty much every day for the last few like that year 2017 I had been writing like okay I really need to quit drinking I really need to and I couldn't do it until 2018 but I just like kept writing it every day I was like I really like I know this is bad or I would go two days without it and I'd be like oh my god I'm doing it and then it would just crash down you know um 
And so it just basically was this tumbling of like, I, I did drugs of like, and I hadn't done drugs in a few time, a uh, few years. And it just sort of like snowballed. It was like me grasping on being like, ah, I know the end is coming. Right. So I just started like doing as much as I could, just the consuming, filling, whatever it was until I, I was at, at a beer festival. Um, and I was, I was drinking this drink this beer and I was just like I can't live like this anymore like even though I had really rock bottomed in January that like that post I I essentially like maintained the rock bottom until it was at this like breaking point I had it was a, a day drinking experience which I had had many of in my in my life I got home at 4 p.m I threw up I smoked cigarettes and I was just sitting there like, is this really, like, is this really helping me? And it, it kind of just came to a, a head. Like there's no other way to really describe it. Sometimes you really have to bottom out uh, in order to really change, uh, especially when you don't have people around who, you know, I was so good at hiding this stuff, right? All of my friends thought I was totally fine. Not one was like, oh, I'm really concerned with you. My family sort of staged an intervention when I was 21 or so because my brother, who was my roommate at the time, walked in on me just like drinking bourbon straight from the bottle and was really concerned about that. But they didn't really follow up. They just sort of were like, you need to go to AA. And I was like, okay. So I went to one and I was like, ah, this isn't really me. And, and I left it and then like got sneakier, you know, like I would have wine in like coffee mugs and things like I was, I got better at hiding it yeah. because of, because of that shame, like you said. Um, John Bradshaw calls shame the master emotion, yeah. which I totally was like, oh, yes, because it covers everything. It's like a slime. It's like you can't crawl your way out because you're like, I don't deserve to crawl my way out. You know, like I don't yeah. deserve, I deserve to be down in this shit drinking and pushing everyone I love away and pretending everything is fine. Like, uh, yeah, that my, my self-destruct was um, basically cheating on the person I love the most. Um, and then being like, holy shit, I have a real problem, <laughs> like a real problem. Yeah. But it wasn't, you know, it's, it's not, it's not my fault. It is absolutely my responsibility. Like I'm, I'm not saying I'm not, you know, I'm not to blame, but it wasn't my fault. And I, being able to hold those two consciousness, consciousnesses <laughs> yeah, in exactly. one is so important um Huge. allowing ourselves to be victimized by what happened to us and also knowing you know there's a greater plan yeah. uh, to it all and that you know in order to get to this place where I can hold space for others and be you know the disco ball soul of you know shining back out I had to go through all that shit yeah and so I'm really grateful for it even though it you know, has cost me so many things. I don't think I, you know, those things I didn't need and now I'm okay. And I trust that the things that I need will come to me again, you know, yeah. if that makes sense. Perfect sense. Thank you. And just to clarify, the day you came home um, from the festival was the day that you took or that, that you passed out, that you were going to take the pills. Oh no, sorry. This, that January post that I had made was basically the, that was like a rock bottom in terms of like, I'm going to off myself. I just didn't want to be there anymore. 
Yeah. But it took until June of that year to actually stop drinking. But it was more like painfully aware. Like I was like, okay, like this is, I've been writing about quitting for so long that I'm, I'm aware of it now. And then this June day happened and I got home uh, at 4 p.m., was wasted, threw up, smoked cigarettes and just sat there and was like, okay, I'm done. Like it was just like this like profound no. realization that I was done. And then I woke up the next day at, June 4th and I just I haven't touched it since and um I think a lot of uh this is where AA sort of I think fails in a, in some ways um it's it's a beautiful program I'm not bashing it whatsoever I just think it takes you to one place but then there's this whole other realm of place you also need to go which is healing the reason why you were yeah. drinking in the first place yeah I'm glad AA exists because it gets people in touch with that higher power. And like, I sent out mass apologies to people along those 12 steps. I sort of just like put myself through the 12 steps in the last, you know, few years. And until you get like, until you actually release the reasons why and dig around for the reasons why you were drinking like that or smoking like that or spending like that in the first place, you're just going to fill the hole with something else, yeah. you know, like you're just, that's why I see so many people um, talk about, you know, they're an AA, but now they drink more coffee or now they drink or smoke cigarettes a lot because they're just finding another thing to fill that hole Yeah. instead of um, going into their wounds and excavating. And like, I don't blame them. It's fucking painful yeah. and terrifying to be like, Oh, now I have to sort out, you know, all those, all the ways I felt totally abandoned by my parents. Great. Like no one wakes up and is like, can't wait to do this today. <laughs> you know? But you woke up that morning with the knowing I'm done. This is done. done. And yeah. haven't, haven't relapsed since, you know, congratulations to you because it's a, a day by day, moment by moment thing. I'd, exp I'd imagine I would love to just bounce back to something he said a couple of minutes ago, which was you hit the nail on the head for me. And you said, it wasn't my fault. The things I experienced in my life, it wasn't my fault, but it is my responsibility. And I think so many people, when they are shit in the shit of, of <laughs> the shit pit of their words, um, they'll use it as an excuse. So they don't have to face what it was that you actually went through. Um, can I ask you, how did you decipher between the two the the awareness of what happened to you was not your your it wasn't your fault because I think that's huge there are many people who go through things that you've experienced and the easiest thing they can absorb it they can really absorb it and that's another thing that keeps them in that loop again bound by shame you know even we're talking about abuse and so it must have been me it must have been my fault. Like it's so warped when you look back from a clear place, but when you're in something like that, you can't see that. You can't. Oh my God. It's just, it's heartbreaking. It is so heartbreaking um, because so many people experience this all the time. Do you think it's only possible to get the, um, the ability to discern between the two? It wasn't my fault, but it is my responsibility when you make the commitment to yourself to choose sobriety, to, to get clear within yourself. Or do you think that's that's possible when you're in it, in your opinion? Well, I think 
for me, getting to that place of, okay, so it wasn't my fault that this all happened to me was when I came in contact with my emotions. Um, when I got to honor my rage um, and terror and grief, that's when I started realizing that I was just a kid and I could not have done it any other way. I was just a kid. The adults in my life were responsible to take care of me and they, and they didn't. And again, this isn't a blaming because they didn't get it from their parents. You didn't get it from their parents. It's a generational <laughs> thing that's passed down. And, and like what your post, I love what you said. It stops with me. It does. Yeah. Like I'm like the cycle breaker of my family. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not willing to um, continue to perpetuate these patterns. That's a whole other thing. Anyways. Um, it, yeah. It wasn't until I got in touch with um, those feelings, like the actual sinking into the like neglect and the abandonment and the betrayal. You ha- like, for me, I had to connect with those emotions. Otherwise, I would continue to blame myself and be like, what the fuck is wrong with me? You know, how did I do this? How did I get here? I was, you know, I was such a good liar. Like, I was a master manipulator. I, because I, I learned very on from my, an abusive step parent that telling the truth was not okay. If you told the truth, you got in trouble. So I learned to lie. And that just continued, you know, like my hypervigilance, I needed to control. So, I would lie to, you know, and some of them were huge. Some of them were small little, you know, little manipulations, but I needed to be in control and in control means pushing down emotions. But until I, cause emotions are such a watery thing. You can't control them, right? They, they just flow. And so that's yeah. terrifying. Neurotic for sure. <laughs> so I, I wasn't, um, when I was in addiction, um, and I still have like little moments of compulsions. Like they come up. I'm not like fully, I wouldn't say fully healed. I have no desire to drink or smoke or fuck everyone. It's not like that. It's these little compulsions come up and I'm like, oh, I should, I should buy a new shirt or something. And I'm like, I don't need to. I'm just like. You're able to witness it. Yeah. I'm witnessing yeah. it. And I'm like, oh, that's okay. I don't need a shirt. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of like, okay. <laughs> that's compassion in motion by the sounds of it. Yeah. 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 That's Can I ask, how did you, how did you get in touch with your emotions? There's the the big question. How did you do it? Well, since I was, uh, you know, most of us weren't taught how to access these parts of ourselves. And yeah, I want to preface this by saying um, we live in a very emotionally stunted world. We, We think that crying is bad and we think that you know being angry is a taboo and all of these things and I think because we've just lived so long in an unchecked uh like this unchecked rage has been like poured over our world I think people associate you know anger with oh no I'm going to turn into this person who's you know a war hungry you know whatever we don't we don't see um the benefit of honoring those emotions and it's again not our fault because we don't have very many examples of it and we weren't taught this but um so i didn't have access to emotions like i i didn't know how to do these things sure i could like tear up at like a cute ad for adopting a puppy but i wasn't in touch with rage or you know betrayal or terror like i just was so numb and anesthetized that those things didn't exist so um, it took a lot to 
to actually bring them to the surface. But one thing that really helped was uh, breath work. Um, that is just like an in instant, like, whoop, everything's up. It's like, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, I read this book called The Presence Process by Michael Brown. And it's a 10-week program where you just breathe um, for 15 minutes in the morning and 15 at night. Uh, and it just brings everything up. It's just the certain way you breathe. Uh, and then certain positions helped me, like getting into child's pose and like shoving a pillow under my chest. So my, my back was really arched, started to like, just like, it's like the, the grief started pouring out of like my vertebrae, you know, like all the places I had stored it in my body. Um, any sort of like somatic thing would bring up, um, you know, rage. Like I would go for rage runs, like just hauling ass, like sprinting as fast as I could and just fucking furious, you know, at my dad or mom or whoever, you know, just anything to honor what that little kid felt of having, you know, nobody there for her. Um, having, you know, supportive spaces with people that I trusted, uh, they were all virtual, unfortunately, because of everything that happened with in the world with the COVID thing. Um, I wasn't able to like meet with people in person, but just having you know support mentors around to just start the process once it starts it becomes you know a lot easier to to flow out of you um music really helps me cry um if I need to like if I feel it kind of stuck I also feel it in my body like my neck and shoulders like oh I, I used to be the lightest sleeper in the world because of I would just be like you know constantly wait waiting to like wake up and be like you know, ha, huh, is someone going to leave me or pounce on me or something? And now I can deep, deep, now I can sleep deeply because of how far I've been able to sink in and release these things. Um, it's, yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with actually um, getting to a point where I felt like I was even allowed to have the emotions. That was yeah. the, like, a big thing. Yeah. Oh, Wow. There's so many things that I'd love to. So many things, yeah. Like I oh, can. I, I mean, for hours. <laughs> I don't think this will be the last conversation you and I have. No. You said something that is so, so, so important. Um. You talked to the suppression of anger, the suppression of rage, the suppression of tears. I mean. Oh my God. It's huge. Because people are told, like you said, in, in, in a world where everyone's trying to fit in and belong, you know, don't, don't speak out of turn. Keep, keep your opinions to yourself. Never realizing beneath the men's anger is immense sadness or beneath the men's bitterness and resentment is, is, is immense heartbreak or I mean, there's so many, there's so, so, so many. And I think they are the, they're just as lethal in close succession to uh, shame. Yeah. Because the world is so fucking distorted. It's so warped. Our perceptions are of, of what it looks like to be a normal, whole, healthy, stable person. 
when on the inside, absolutely everybody is spinning out because, like you said earlier on, nobody ever showed us. And we're the victims of victims of victims. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm an advocate of breathwork as well. It's, it's phenomenal to know that you can literally scream from your toes up and out and that it's okay to do is there's your liberation. And I think then that like a domino effect, when you give yourself permission to really feel whatever it is that you're feeling, good, bad or indifferent, that's the game changer, isn't it? Especially on this journey of healing, because it's like, it's like a double-edged sword. It's like, speak your truth, even if your voice shakes. But carefully don't speak too loud in case somebody sees you and they don't actually like you. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's the shit I'm talking about. Um, it's, it's don't stay hidden too long, but whatever you do, do not go out there and shine. It's, oh my God. And what is really playing out when you bring it back to your, your, your shiny disco ball is what is being reflected back to us, for us. And do we have the bandwidth to go there, to, to give ourselves permission to shine, to give ourselves permission to cry a river because of the grief you know that you're actually um, justified, probably sounds like a strong word, but you are justified for what you have lived through. I've gone through many, many um, zero-pointing processes where I have literally gone, actually, I had a right to feel like this. I had a right to be pissed. I had a right to raise the motherfucking roof. And I didn't because I didn't know I could. And even if I did, what was that going to achieve? It's so, it's so multifaceted. And I think that's what can trip us up then and slow us down in our own, our own journey of getting to where we think we're supposed to be when the only place to really be is here now. Yeah. Because we can be taken down so many rabbit holes, so many, so many I don't know about you, if you've experienced this, but when you have an understanding of something that you have lived and then, it, you know, life goes, okay, well, here's your experience. And then it goes, right, we're going to give it to you this way now. Okay. And then it goes, right, you ready? We're just going to give it to you this way. And, and that's what happens. It, it just keeps giving me personally, many of my deep core wounds, especially the things that I thought were normal and natural. And I just lived them and it was just Okay. It was okay to experience alcohol in the level that I have because this person did and this one and this one and this one. I mean, that's what I wrote about yesterday. Mm. It was never normal. It was never okay. It was never, but, but, but because it, it even, you know, I didn't experience the word alcoholic like other people did. But then, uh, you know, I didn't have any alcoholics in my family at all. And yet when I look back, my family history and even speaking about it now, everybody and your every bone, your body's going, shh, shh. Don't talk about it. Fuck that shit now. That's what I mean yesterday when I said it ends with me. Yeah. Because I am the person who was on the receiving end of experiencing what generations 
of alcoholism, alcoholism felt like in my world. Mm-hmm. And it impacts me. And it has, take the alcoholism out of the picture. My self-belief, my self-worth, my self-esteem, my self-confidence. There's four things that are immediately impacted when you say something to me that feels off inside because I have it wired, hardwired back to a time when. And if you ask me to put those puzzle pieces together, not in a million years, if I hadn't done my own inner work, not in a million years, if I hadn't gone for a little route around, not to cause shit for anyone or anything, but simply, simply, fucking excuse my language, simply just to understand myself better. Me, just me. Because I understand every reflection back to me is me. And if I don't like what what the shiny disco ball reflects back, it's because it's active in me. It's got me. It's stagnant. It's dormant in me, waiting for me to come in and shake the shit out of that ball so it can fall away. So I don't limit myself in how I choose to approach life, what I choose to try and experience, what I choose to try and live because of the programs of programs of programs of the people who have gone before me who are just simply doing their best moment by moment by moment. Fuck yeah. Amen to that. Ah, that's so good. Woo! <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> I have no idea what I said, but I know it just feels good. It just feels good because I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to keep it in. And I don't want to hold you accountable for my incapacity to pinpoint and identify what you're saying to me doesn't feel good. What you're showing me doesn't feel good. What you're reflecting. I don't want to change you, but I don't want this to hold me prisoner for one more second. Because in trying to make you wrong, I'm the person then who drives your core beliefs, who reiterates your stories and who, who fuels your feelings of inadequacy and lack of worth. And that for me is soul destroying. It makes me want to pull my hood up and go into a corner and not interact with another human being because I do not want to be, at this point in my life, I do not want to be the cause of another person's pain. And at the same time, I understand we have to dance. We just have to continuously dance this dance of of interaction and connection. And that's what we came here for. So what is the only solution? This is just my perspective, by the way. The only solution for me is to know myself so intimately, upside down and inside out, faults, flaws, imperfections, perfections, whatever it looks like. So that the second something hits off my stuff, um, like you described earlier on, I become the witness of it and go, oh, I see you. No, I don't want that shit, thanks. (laughs) Have the awareness then to do something with it because it's, I don't know, it's it's everything, isn't it? We repeat what we don't repair. I keep saying it. I probably keep saying it because I need to remind myself of it. And I said to you at the beginning of this conversation, talking to you is like talking to... Oh, you know, like it kills me even like... 
it's like talking to the version who did get their shit together, who did choose to be the change. And so the timing of this conversation is so impeccable that I'm even in awe of how this universe works. Because by talking to you, I know that it exists. I know that it's possible. I know that it's a reality. And that if I can come undone from my shit and you can come undone from your shit, look at the magic then that's created in the space in between. And by you being brave enough to share your heart then with anybody watching this right now means they get permission to do the same. Yeah. And that's everything, isn't it? So that we don't stay in this shitty, cyclical, crap pattern of, I'm going to stop swearing now. <laughs> don't. I, <love> it. <laughs> I was going to go again there. I was like, no. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> So where does this journey take you now? Where you are now, you've got the clarity. You're aware that it's you're you're keeping it in the now moment where best possible. You've got your waves of stuff tapping you in the shoulder, going, "Do you want to dance? Do you want to dance under this shiny disco ball?" <laughs> yeah. Um, <sighs> there's for me right now. I'm sort of in a practice mode of practicing um, interrelating with people, like having friendships um, with people, women and men, like my whole life, as soon as they get close, I push them away. And I really want to be seen now, you know, I, I'm, I'm not scared to be seen anymore. Of course, I still have my moments. And, you know, I get so nervous before posting something. I'm like, oh, shit, you know, but I think that part of it is like excite, excitement as well. Yeah. It's sort of like, ooh, like, do I really care what they think anymore? Ooh, kind of still, but it's it's more like I'm doing this for me. And I yeah. every time I do post or, you know, talk to somebody, they can see me. And, and that makes me feel really good because I'm like, I can see me. And if you can yeah. see me and I can see me, like, I must be in alignment because people have been flowing into my life lately who are, who can see me and who can say and are saying that they see me. And it's just such a shock because <laughs> I've never experienced that before, you know, because I've worn a mask my whole life and been every, who everyone needed me to be um, playing all of these different roles. And now I'm just being me and the, and the people are coming in to me who can see me. And it just, Oh, so I'm practicing right now, practicing relating with people, uh, with friendships, being vulnerable, talking about the shit that comes up and in a totally honest way, like nothing held back. Just this is what was triggered in me. And oh, it's, it's amazing. Like it just, I, I don't know about you, but small talk makes me feel so sick. Like I just, I'm like, Ooh, I want to get out of this. Like I'd rather dive into the shit and talk about it then. <laughs> no, but small, small talk makes me feel like shit. Right. And then you're like, the minute you like disengage from small talk, it's like, they're going to think you're an absolute asshole. Melissa. And then there's another person going, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm happy. And I just rock on. It's funny. It causes waves. It does cause waves and it causes your stuff to, to, you know, boomerang back around. And then you're just like, <laughs> feel like Wonder Woman go, no, no more of this shit. No. And it's funny because I don't know about you, but 
if I leave somebody with their own stuff now, I know I sound a bit of it like a bit of a dick, but it is funny. It is funny. I'm just being honest. If I leave somebody with their own stuff and I'm just in a I'm just in a quiet, a reflective place, and I don't feel like talking, I'm not gonna talk. And I leave them with, you know, that kind of feeling. I actually witness their own awkwardness. And then it gives me the space for compassion to, to actually enter in. And then for me to choose whatever it is I want to do with that. Sometimes it's honor myself and just carry on quietly. Sometimes it's ask a question to diffuse their stuff. And then I'm down the rabbit hole of you're the recovering people pleaser. Stop that shit. Uh, yeah. So I don't think there's any let up ever of our learning and our growing and our expansion and our contraction and our expansion and our contraction. And it's actually a beautiful journey. If we can step back to witness what we've just literally, what we've just lived. I saw your face when I read your post. They're your words. And you nearly like, I mean, I had goosebumps reading that. So to have gone through what you've gone through, so aware, so recent. It's just phenomenal. And it's so inspiring for anybody to listen to. Because no matter what shit they're in, no matter how much their worlds are on fire right now, you are the embodiment of, of the understanding that there is hope and that you can do something with this. And I don't say that lightly. I, I genuinely mean it. I can, every word that you say, you hold nothing back. You are filterless in the most beautiful way because, like you said, you are beginning to really see you. And when you see you, um, other people, you know, they, they get to witness themselves in you. I knew even, I knew before we even spoke, because this is our first conversation ever, like ever. I knew by the, the little emojis and the little gifts that you were sending. I'm like, oh my God, this is me. This is the shit I do. And it's beautiful <laughs> to, to really, you know, to find the authentic connection outside of ourselves once we are brave enough to do what you did what I've done, what many people are doing, which is just meet yourself. Why do you think people are so afraid to meet themselves? Oh. Because we think we're shit. <laughs> when, like we really, we think that they're, we're worthless. And I mean, when I think back and back and back, because I've asked myself the same question, I'm like, what's so wrong with me? Why, like, why do I think I'm so shitty? I don't understand. And I've, I've gone back and, you know, it was those primary caregivers that didn't teach me that I was okay to um, exist as however I was showing up, you know? Like what you said before about, um, you know, it's, 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 it's like they want society wants to keep you at like an even keel like don't be too joyful don't be excited and expressive but also don't be sad and mopey and you know bring everyone down just be you know boom like this like 
but this to me is just so repressed, you know, like, yeah. because we're so like what you said, expanding and contracting, like all these emotions are, are, are beautiful. But, and I think that when we shut down our emotions, we shut down ourselves. Um, it, it honestly is like a direct link to the soul. When you tap into that emotional world, it really, as soon as I started grieving, my compassion exploded. I was like, oh my God, it was not my fault. Mm-hmm. And also now I can see everyone else. Like it wasn't their fault. They were just wounded. And like, oh, my heart now just like is so raw for everyone. I'm like, holy shit. Like I can't imagine what they must have gone through in order to behave like that. You know, if yeah. I see someone this unconscious and and, and again, that's not to say that they're not responsible for how they're behaving. I don't want this to come across as like some sort of, you know, oh, everyone's just forgiven. Like, yeah, of course there's like accountability and things like responsibility. But, you know, when we grow up, at least this is for me, I learned that responsibility was a gross word. You know, it was a bad word. It was, you know, it was sort of like used to shame me, like grow up, you know, I'd be like, mm-hmm or like take responsibility it's like that that word has so much grossness attached to it because of the conditioning around it but responsibility like as soon as I kind of switched it from being like a positive thing for me that's why I started sharing I was like I'm gonna take responsibility because like responsibility feels sexy now I'm like oh I did that I slipped up I'm gonna own that like it's like a hot power thing now but it but it used to be just like this I didn't do that nope, I'm not, whatever, you know, just like a shut down version because of the lack of connected to like my emotions, my rage, my terror, the grief that I feel uh, and have felt for my whole life that I never got to express because adults would say, don't cry, big girls don't cry, Mm -hmm. little boys are tough and strong, you know, all of that conditioning just shuts us the fuck down. And when we're shut down, that's all we know. We don't know that there is a whole other world that opens up once we access our emotional sensitive places. Like it's like you're taking off your glasses and you're like, I can see the world now. Um, (laughs) Can I ask, is there anything um, that you would say to somebody who knows they're in the shit, who knows they need and want their lives to change who was in the place that you were in is there anything that you could you would would say to somebody who who really wants this change but has no idea where to begin (laughs) talk to me (laughs) (laughs) what i'm hoping to do is 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 help people with that beginning place like that that's like my my purpose here um, I really feel deeply is to help people connect with that uh, place where they're allowed to be the victim of what happened to them and also empower them to save themselves essentially. Um, Beautiful. But ah, it's it's like what I wrote at the end of that post, like it's okay to give up completely, but just start again tomorrow. And like, it gets really shit before it gets better. And Sometimes I think a lot of people tend to give up when it gets really shit and just be like, well, this isn't fucking working. And they, you know, bank left or bank right. But stay in the shit because honestly, it gets better. It gets better. The shit lessens. It, you know, it breaks apart. 
it becomes, you can, you can see clarity shines down on you. The more that you connect inward. Um, and again, this, it, there's so much I could say to this because it isn't just as easy as like, Oh yeah, just go inward. I, when I first like started hearing this stuff, I was pissed. I was like, what the hell do you mean? Like go inward. I don't know what that means. I didn't have an inner world. I'm like, okay, I'm in like what, you know, it was like, yeah, what, so, no. like, I didn't know what the hell to do. Like I didn't know how to connect with source and I didn't know how to connect with like, you know, grounding myself into this experience in the present moment. Like I didn't know what the hell to do. Mm. So all these things came off as like, just these like sugary platitudes and I hated them. I was like, think positively. What the hell is that? You know, like I didn't, Anyways, that's a whole other reason to go over. That's our next conversation right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Just um just keep going, but keep going doesn't mean keep taking action. Keep going also means lay down and rest. Yeah. Just keep going as in I mean, hell, give up. Give up a few times too. And yeah. Cuz I've given up many times like there was a few days ago there where I thought I had, you know, passed over a hurdle and I was like, yeah, I've made it, you know, <laughs> obviously <laughs> it's a journey, but I was like, yeah, I've done it. And then I was like, why am I here? Like, why the fuck am I here? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And I was like, is this just my life now? Just torrents of pain. But then I was like, no, no, it, it gets better. And by better, I mean, it gets brighter brighter and brighter because I don't I don't like labeling um the like emotions as bad or good I, th I think dark and light is a much more um uh it makes more sense to you know just frequency itself lighter and darker dark emotions as in the ones we keep hidden away yeah sort of feel everything what I heard you say really yeah. feel everything yeah. Pause, rest, feel. Keep moving forward, feel. Run, feel. Stop dead, lie down, play dead for 10 hours, feel. Just keep feeling. Yeah. It's like, um, um, call it like your emotions, the sat nav to your soul. And that's the only thing that will give you um, your location, where you're at now. Yeah. Is to feel your way through things. I love the way you described it. Listen, I just want to say thank you. It's been, oh, it's been epic. Um, <laughs> I could stay here talking for hours. Um, for anybody who's looking to reach you, where's the best place to catch you at the moment? For now on Facebook, uh, I kind of deactivated Instagram last year because I was just like, I need a break. Um, so, but yeah, uh, on Facebook is great. Um, you can like my page. It's called Baggage. Uh, I'm hoping to launch it soon. I, I keep yes. saying that, but, it, it, you know, life has different directions it wants to take me, but it, it will be coming soon. And it is about basically all that we've talked about is reconnecting, finding your center, um, you know, the emotional world, um, conditions and programs and, and undoing those. So, yeah. Brilliant. Um, Stay on it. The world needs it. It definitely yeah. needs it right now because... Our worlds are on fire. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We will, um, we can pop a comment in, um, in the link below after the live um, for uh, your page so people can follow you there. And, you know, until next time, thank you so much for this. It's just been everything. It's just, I loved every second of this. So, thank you from the bottom of my heart. So, thank you.
So did I. Thank you. Until next time. And thanks to everybody watching. Take care. Bye.